0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, January the 24th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 24, 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, they concluded a wartime conference in Casablanca, Morocco. They had a plan. Interestingly, not related, but except that it's Churchill. Churchill died today in 1965. He was 90 years old. Today in 41 BC, shortly after declaring himself a god, Caligula was assassinated by two Praetorian guards, or tribunes as they called them, in the Roman Senate. Today in 1848, James W. Marshall discovered a gold nugget at Sutter's Mill in Northern California, that discovery led to the Gold Rush of 49. The Gold Rush of 49 was on the South Fork of the American River. Today, in 1639, representatives from three Connecticut towns came together, and they together wrote what they called Fundamental Orders. That's generally referred to as the first constitution in the new world. It wasn't actually a constitution, but it acted as one so that there would be some kind of unity among these communities. Fundamental orders, they called it. Today, in 1984, Apple Computer began selling its first Macintosh model. It boasted a built-in, I'm looking at a commercial here, a built-in 9-inch monochrome display, a clock rate, of 8 megahertz and 128K of RAM. Interesting. Today in 1985, the space shuttle Discovery was launched from Cape Canaveral. was the first secret all-military shuttle mission. Today in 1989, confessed serial serial killer uh, Ted Bundy, remember him? He was executed in Florida in an electric chair. And 10 years ago today, in an audio message, Osama bin Laden endorsed the failed attempt to blow up a U.S. airliner on Christmas Day. You may remember that. He took credit for it and he threatened new attacks against the United States. What he did not know was that the United States was closing in on him and about that time or shortly thereafter, our military got his address. He didn't do many acts of terror after that, although he said he was going to. Today's a big day in America. In the world, in fact, President Trump is making history. No, not that history, not the impeachment. In fact, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about the impeachment today, not because it isn't of interest. I mean, it is. It's big news, but those guys aren't saying anything that they haven't already said again and again and again. Really. And I thought there's something I'm missing here. There's something that I should, you know, take out of these millions of words that we can talk about for a few minutes on the radio program this morning. I couldn't find anything worth, I mean, noting it's just the same thing they've been doing over and over and over again. So the Republicans are going to start talking Saturday, and I think that's ill advice personally. I mean, nobody asked me, but... If they would have, I would have probably said, not. I mean, nobody's watching. Every day, the, the the listenership is and viewership is declining on these on this impeachment because people see it for what it is. I mean, even the people that agree with these guys, they just can't take it anymore. They said, "Yeah, I want to." Get, they're saying, "I want to get rid of Trump," but I don't. I can't listen to this stuff. I mean, it's just it's just over and over and all these theatrics and on and on, hour after hour. So the Republicans have, have set it up so that they're they're gonna be starting their case tomorrow on Saturday. And I'm wondering is that wise? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know, <laughs> what do I know? But if I were doing it, I would not have started it on a Saturday. Just from a just from a the point of view of trying to reach the most people. That's not probably the way to do it, but I'm sure they have a plan, and I'm sure that they're going to make a good presentation. I have no doubt about that. I just am concerned that maybe people won't, as many people won't hear it. But anyway, that will begin. But there's not, there's really nothing of substance that we can talk about today that I can think of about what they're saying. It's just the same thing they've been saying for the last week, really. Again and again, almost verbatim, they're reading from the same script. They were reading from when the House was doing their thing uh, more than a month ago. It's the same script. It isn't just the same subject. It's the same words. They're reading them over and over and over again. But President Trump is making history today because he is the first president, sitting president of the United States to speak in person at the March for Life event that's held annually in Washington, D.C. For the first time in history, U.S. president will attend in person. He's there now as I'm speaking and speak at the annual March for Life that's happening in Washington, D.C. He's joining literally hundreds of thousands of people that support the sanctity of life. And I want to talk to you about that today. In fact, the president is scheduled to speak at 9.50. Now, don't turn off your radio. Just you'll, You can see it later. Don't leave me now. But he's scheduled to speak at about 9:15 Pacific time here, which is about nine minutes from now, and um, you'll see it. We'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it on Monday. If, if not, don't don't turn off your radio now. Just don't do that. But anyway, he's scheduled to do that. It's a marvelous thing, and I'm going to talk about more about that today. But Vice President Mike Pence, who is there as well, or he he'll be in the vicinity. I don't know if he and the president, in a public forum like that, can. That's kind of uncontrolled, really. I don't know if they allow them to get to be close, physically close together for security reasons. Anyway, Mike Pence is all in on pro-life, as you know. But he's under fire. There's a group of people that are really going after him. It's the LGBTQ, you know, plus, 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 whatever. And the media, they're really going at at him. On Sunday, last Sunday, before uh, Martin Luther King's birthday, he spoke at this church. It's a historically black church. It's a large church. It's the Holy City Church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, Pence was there. Vice President Pence was there. He's an evangelical Christian, deeply, totally committed to the Lord. And he was there, and he was speaking about the ideals that King, uh, that King supported. He was using that as a basis to give a, a just a short message about it and so on. Well, the pastor... Got up afterwards to preach his normal sermon on a Sunday morning. Well, <laughs> the pastor's subsequent sermon sparked a controversy that they're now pointing toward Vice President Pence. NBC News they took off on that this week, and particularly yesterday, and they're running this. They ran this headline that said Pence attends homophobic sermon streamed on White House YouTube channel. Well, that got a lot of people's attention. Newsweek and other, you know, secular left uh, news organizations were putting out headlines. I I saw this one, this one headline here. It might have been Newsweek. I can't remember, but it says Pence attends sermon where bishop says demonic spirit is behind homosexual attraction. What happened was they were streaming Vice President Mike Pence's words. Live on the White House uh, website, because he is the Vice President of the United States, and they just let it keep streaming, either intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know, but they kept streaming it on the White House website, and the pastor got up, the bishop, Bishop Jerry Wayne Taylor, to give his sermon. And so it just kept streaming. So everybody got to hear his sermon. It's interesting how God works sometimes, isn't it? But anyway, his sermon was focused on the importance of building the right foundation. That was kind of the title of the sermon. People, he said, are building their lives on lies, false prophets, false teaching, but we've got to build on the word of God. He said, his word will not change for nobody. That's his, (laughs) I'm quoting him. His word will not change for nobody when building the foundation is the most important part of any organization, school, marriage, or home. He said, what is the devil trying to do? I'm I'm quoting from his sermon here. What is the devil trying to do? Uh, Bishop Taylor said, he said, he's trying to destroy the foundation of marriage and cut off the reproduction process. Two men can't have a baby. Two women can't have a baby. Taylor then went into discussing abortion from a biblical point of view. He said, presidents, queens, world leaders, he said, they may have been aborted. We may have lost some of the most brilliant people that could have ever been born and serve mankind. He said the foundation is important. We need to encourage young men and women to get married. He said it's a demonic spirit that causes another woman to want to lie with another woman. It's a demonic spirit that causes another man to be attracted to another man. God didn't make us that way. So the White House website is just streaming all this. It's going out there, man. The Charlotte Climber spokesperson for the human rights campaign. They're the largest homosexual activist or advocate organization in the country. NBC News got her on there right away. And Charlotte was telling NBC News that Pence's appearance was an example of the vice president using his perception of faith as a cudgel against vulnerable communities. GLAD, the another uh, homosexual organization, LGBT advocacy group. They're criticizing pants. They're continuing even today. Wish we could say we were surprised that the vice president spoke at a church event where the bishop spouted vile things. Well, he, he wasn't really spouting vile things. He was quoting from the Bible. But anyway, they're not surprised that pre- vice president, uh, the vice president spoke at a church event where the bishop spouted vile things about LGBTQ people. But here we are. But some of the people on social media were, were pushing back against this. And I, I noticed quite a few, maybe about half of the people that were uh, tweeting and, and you know expressing themselves on various social media platforms were agreeing with the president. He I mean, he didn't say those words, but he believes it. And everybody knows that he believes what the Bible teaches on the subject, on all subjects. This one person wrote, Christians believe what Scripture says, and NBC thinks it's shocking. That's shocking. (laughs) Well, it is. So many who claim to be Christians completely ignore the Word of God nowadays, someone else said. So that was what was happening, but Vice uh, Vice President Mike Pence is once again under fire because he believes the Bible and he lives it out in his own personal life, even When he wasn't saying those things, I mean, yes, he does believe what the Bible says, but even though he wasn't saying those things, he was sitting on the platform where the pastor was preaching from the Bible about those issues, and now they're after Pence. Well, I'll tell you. Anyway, for the first time in history, the U.S. president is attending in person and speaking at the annual... March for Life. Jeannie Mancini, president of March for Life, she says, we are deeply honored to welcome President Trump to the 47th annual March for Life. She says, he will be the first president in history, first one to attend, and we are so excited for him. Others have, in fact, last year, President Trump, as you may recall, uh, set a video over there, and they played it on those big screens all over the place for people to, to see. I mean, he gave his endorsement personally. I think President George W. Bush did that as well. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure he did. But none of them in the past, no president has ever showed up in person to do what's happening today. Mancini says he'll be the first president to attend. We're so excited for him to experience in person how passionate our marchers are about life and, unprotecting or pro- and protecting the unborn. She said for the appointment of pro-life judges, federal workers, to cutting taxpayer funding for abortions here and abroad, To calling for an end to late-term abortions, President Trump and his administration have been consistent champions for life, and their support for the March for Life has been unwavering. We are so grateful for all these pro-life accomplishments and look forward to gaining more victories for life in the future. President Trump responded to her statement to the press, and he tweeted, See you on Friday, big crowd. Well, it's Friday, and he's there, and it is a big crowd. The announcement came just one day after the president had declared January 22nd the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the Sanctity of Human Life Day. Sarah Matthews works for the president. She's the campaign deputy press secretary. She told the Daily Caller that Trump becoming the first president to ever attend the March for Life in person is a testament to his commitment to protecting the sanctity of life. She said also that in stark contrast, 2020 Democrats continue to embrace extreme abortion policies, including abortion practically up to the moment of birth or even beyond. She said there can be no doubt that President Trump is the most pro-life president in our nation's history. So people immediately begin asking the press, is he really, is Trump? Trump could not possibly be the most pro-life president in history. I understand the context in which they're coming from. One, they don't like him. Some of them hate him. But he's not, I mean, you don't think of like St. Paul or Mother Teresa or someone when you think of Donald Trump. I understand where they're coming from, but I don't understand why they continue in their ignorance because it's an imposed, self-imposed ignorance that the press has. They enjoy that because they're not comfortable. If they would ever agree with anything, this president does. There are hundreds of articles in print published by writers from the left, the right, the middle, even from the atheists and abortion activists. They've weighed in on whether they think Trump is the most pro-life president in history. For the most part, they don't think he is because they just don't want him to be. They don't like him. Melinda Henneberger, she wrote this in USA Today, She said, Donald Trump is not the most pro-life president ever. He proves that the opposite every day. And she says, I am a Christian. Well, (laughs) Sarah Matthews works for the president. I understand that. But Trump is, in fact, considered to be the most pro-life president in history by many veteran pro-life activists. In fact, this conversation is playing out in the news today as kind of a sub-story to the big story that's happening in Washington, D.C., the March for Life. I noticed a professor, I I didn't catch which university he was from, but a professor was telling the press today, and a few of them um, published it or put it on on their websites at least, that he said, if you look at the facts, Trump is in fact the most pro-life president in history. I know that's hard for those people to swallow. I understand that. Back in 2016, when we were starting into that election, I wasn't planning to vote for Donald Trump. He's always intrigued me, but I was looking more towards, I don't know, Ben Carson, Ted Cruz for sure, some of those guys. But sometimes God does things differently than we would plan or think. God always does things above and beyond what we could think or plan or hope or pray for. Some of the reasons that these people are saying this is, I mean, just let me give you a quick overview. This, these are facts. It's not a matter of how you feel about Trump. It's just what he's done. He's in, uh, reinstated and expanded the ban on foreign aid to abortion-involved groups, including International Planned Parenthood Federation. He's, bland, he's uh, banned groups that commit or refer abortions from Title X family planning funds. He's overturned Obama-era regulations that barred states from defunding Planned Parenthood. He's issued rules protecting Americans from being forced to subsidize abortion in government-mandated health insurance plans. He's consistently opposed abortion at the United Nations. He has forcefully denounced abortion publicly, calling attention to Democrats, opposition to anti-infanticide legislation, asking Congress to send him a ban on late-term abortion, he will sign it immediately. He's repeatedly declared publicly that abortion is not a human right. In his proclamation this week, he declared that every person, I'm quoting him here, excuse me, every person, the born and the unborn, the poor, the downcast, the disabled, the infirm, and the elderly, has inherent value, and that the U.S., and I'm quoting him, proudly and strongly reaffirms our commitment to protect the precious gift of life at every stage, from conception to natural death. He promised again this week, I saw him on video say in two different places this week, we will never tire of defending innocent life at home or abroad. Now you can think what you want, but those are the facts. True pro-lifers are looking at his works not just his words. The New Testament in James talks a great deal about faith and works. And faith without works is dead faith. Most of us know that words can be cheap, particularly with politicians. I don't know if Trump is a politician. If he is, he's not a very good one because he doesn't uh, play the slick role well at all. But actions are always more costly than words, although words can be. Trump is putting his actions into words and his words into actions. The public appreciates that. Many in in America agree with him. In fact, there's a poll that came out this week from Marist, Marist Polling Company. It shows that not only their polling, but other polls have shown that the public agrees with the president's position. This new Marist poll shows that 70% of Americans support major restrictions on abortion, and 55% of Americans would ban abortion after 20 weeks. We hear a lot from the left, and from particularly the Planned Parenthood community, we hear a lot about, well, America's really divided on abortion. I want to tell you something. I've Again, you know, I don't know everybody in America But I've really paid attention for years as a pastor, as a youth pastor, long time ago. I paid attention to these polls and what people are thinking. And I know all polls are flawed. All polls have a bias. All people have a bias. There's no unbiased people in the world. It's a matter of if you're going to publicly show your bias, as I do every day on this program, I'm biased toward the Bible and what the Bible teaches. And we try to talk about that. We try to talk about all of the events that's going on in our world in the context of biblical truth. That's what we do. And yes, I'm biased, but everybody's biased. Everybody feels a certain way. There are no zero people, I mean, unless they're you know mentally or physically or both challenged. We all have a bias. So all the polls are biased in the way that the questions are asked. And I've noticed one thing, and I, I don't have time to get into a lot of this, but I've noticed that depending on who's taking the poll, they they slant the questions. They ask the same basic questions, but they, they slant them a different way. And there's certain ways to ask the public to get a higher percentage of people who believe, you can extrapolate from what they say, they believe in abortion. But if you ask the question in a more just an honest, straightforward way, like, do you believe in aborting babies? Many more of them will say no. They just don't feel comfortable with that, even if they don't claim to be religious. So we have that going on. There's polls that are coming from different biases, and we find those, and the left, of course, quotes those polls. But if you look at all of them, an accumulative number of polls, there is a shift. Maris came out, and, and granted, they're, they're pro-life. They're a Catholic-based organization, but they do polls. They do them quite well. But they came out, and they said it's not only a shift, it's a dramatic shift in public attitudes toward abortion that's taking place even in the last year, not the last 10 years. And you don't get that sense from the news, but it's true. This new Marist poll shows that 70% of Americans support major restrictions. 55% of Americans would ban abortion after 20 weeks. You're not hearing that in the news, and you won't. Among the restrictions that are backed by Americans are abortion only during the first three months of pregnancy, 24%, abortion only in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the mother, 26%. Abortion only to save the life of the mother. 11% from those who claim no religious affiliations. And abortion should never be permitted under any circumstance. 9%. All of those numbers are up in a a pro-life way than they were just one year ago. The poll also shows that 21% of Americans said that abortion should be available to a woman anytime during her entire pregnancy, while another 9% said she should be allowed, but only during the first six months. Those numbers are less than they have been. This polling shows that most Americans want the court to reinterpret Roe v. Wade, either by stopping legalized abortion or by returning the issue to the states. Although the press will give token coverage of the March for Life in the most powerful capital in the world today, as we speak, it's happening They'll go on debating President Trump's motives. They are already saying, before the man has left the lectern, (laughs) they're already saying, the press, some of the press, are saying, well, this is just a political move. He's just trying to keep the evangelicals happy, so they'll vote for him. I don't know what his motives are, but I know what his deeds are. I know what his works are, and the Bible tells us to take a look at those kinds of things. He's doing the right thing for life. I want to believe that he believes in the sanctity of life. I believe he does. But while this, today, any distraction from something that is positive, something that is good, is highlighted in today's press. And I know you know that. While pro-life Christians are rejoicing today, I believe that God is smiling in heaven. Because God, too... (laughs) is pro-life. He created life. He breathed life into humanity. Thanks for being with me today. It's always a privilege, always a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you. I want to thank you for your support. What we're doing here is not normal. There are people who probably agree with what we're doing, but they don't want to be identified with it. not probably there are, but I want to thank those of you who support this ministry for doing what you do and standing with us. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington 98009. It's important that we know what's going on in our world. It's important that we're aware, informed, as I like to say, be informed, be vigilant, be discerning. But we must always look at what's going on in our world through the lens of the Word of God, because things are changing dramatically and quickly. But I want to tell you, the Word of God will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will stand. I'll see you Monday.